Well, that's the first time that I've seen that particular video. There's another video out there that's similar to that of an Australian man preaching on the doctrine of the rapture of the church. And as he's preaching, like you just saw in this video here, all of a sudden, without warning, without anything having to be fulfilled, without no signs preceding it, the rapture of the church takes place. We all laugh at something like that, but in reality, think about this with me for a moment. A week after the rapture happens, churches all over the world are going to be filled with people. People who were left behind, they knew Jesus Christ up here, but he was never down here. He never occupied their very hearts. On that day that we call the rapture, Jesus Christ is coming for born-again believers. Those that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and personal Savior. On that day, all the born-again dead from Pentecost up until now in the church age are coming out of those graves. Then we, which are alive and remain, who have not experienced physical death yet, will meet the dead in Christ in the air as Jesus Christ takes us to the Father's house. There are three main rapture passages in Scripture. The first one is John 14, 1 through 3. Jesus is speaking here. He says this. You ready? Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, you're going to love these four words. You ready? I'm not telling you nothing new. I will come again and receive you, the church, unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Second rapture passage, 1 Corinthians 15, 51-52. Paul said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. In other words, there is coming a generation of born-again Christians that will not experience physical death in their lifetime. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling, the blinking of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. I had a guy tell me one time at a prophecy conference, well, August, what if you die before the rapture? Hey, it's out of my hands. I have nothing to do with that. That's in God's hands. If I die before the rapture, I told my wife, put this on my headstone. Here lies August Rosado, only rent in this spot. We'll be leaving soon. We shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. The trumpet shall sound. The dead shall be raised incorruptible. We shall be changed. Third rapture passage. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. And Paul the apostle says, don't be ignorant. I'm not saying you're ignorant. Paul is saying that. Don't be ignorant concerning the rapture, the coming of Jesus Christ for his church. He says this, For I will not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so also them which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. 
For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore? Gonna love that word. Comfort one another with these words. Why would Paul say comfort one another with these words and Jesus say, let not your heart be troubled? I'll tell you why. Folks, listen to me very carefully. You think it's bad now. This is a cakewalk compared to what is to come. The Bible describes a future seven-year period of tribulation to come upon this God-forsaken world. You don't want to be, as you saw in that video, left behind to go through that final seven-year period. It is going to be unprecedented. It's going to be one of the most horrendous seven-year experience that this world will ever encounter. What did Jesus say about this tribulation period? He said in Matthew 24, 21, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Where did he make that statement? 2,000 years ago. Where? In the city of Jerusalem. Where? At the Mount of Olives, where I was just at last week. I just got back from Israel. I was at the Mount of Olives. We did a Bible prophecy teaching where Jesus gave the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke chapter number 21. He said this tribulation period will be absolutely horrendous. And I wouldn't want, Brother Tom, my worst enemy, to be left behind to go through that seven-year period sometime after the church has been taken out of here at the rapture. That's going to be an unprecedented period of time. But, folks, what we see going on right now with all of this technology, I believe it is setting the world up for a cashless society. Not only a cashless society, but the ruler from the revived Roman Empire will come on the world stage, and he will demand everyone to take his name. I believe the EU, or what we would call the European Union, was foretold in Bible prophecy to be the infrastructure, the embryo for the revival of the Roman Empire. If you have your Bible with you this morning, I pray that you do. You need to follow along with me. Don't take August Rosado's word for it. Take God's word for it. Take God's word for it. What I want you to do right now is go with me to the book of Revelation. Revelation. What is Revelation? It is the apocalypse. Pastor talked about our group being in Greece. Uh, uh, what was it? This past May. And I went to the Isle of Patmos where John the Apostle wrote the book of Revelation 2,000 years ago. What, because he was John the Apostle? No. Who revealed that to him? Jesus Christ revealed these future world events to John the Apostle as a prisoner of the Roman Empire, incarcerated 
to the Isle of Patmos between 90 and 96 A.D., where he penned the book of Revelation, the book of the apocalypse, of future world events. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 13. Notice this in Revelation 13, verses 16 through 18. Revelation 13, 16 through 18. Now, a little background here. During the tribulation period, in the future, not too distant future, Satan is going to energize a man, an individual. You probably see, see this guy on TV every single day in the world of politics and not even know that Satan has chosen that particular guy he will energize to become the beast of Revelation 13.1, the Antichrist. Notice what the second personality of the unholy trinity will do during the tribulation period. Revelation 13, 16 through 18. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of man. And his number is six hundred, three score six, or six, six, six. Six. There's something about six. As they say in Hebrew, shesh. The number six represents imperfection. It represents fallen humanity. That's Satan's favorite number. Six. It's an imperfect number. Oh, by the way, God has a favorite number. What is that number? Seven. Sheva in Hebrew. Seven. It's the number of perfection. God created the world in six days and on the? Seventh day he rested. Leviticus 23, God gave the Jewish people seven feasts to keep as a memorial throughout all their generations. By the way, there is coming how long is the tribulation period? Seven years. During that seven-year period, God is going to unleash 21 judgments on this earth. How many seals? How many trumpets? How many vials? 21 judgments in all. God loves the number seven, amen? It's his perfect number. But Satan also loves the number six. It's an imperfect number, and it's a number that the Antichrist will use to represent his name. And he's going to demand the whole entire world to take his name where? Or both, by the way, folks, both very visible places and with the technology that we have today is racing toward the fulfillment of Revelation chapter 13, 16 through 18. Let's have a word of prayer this morning. Father in heaven, thank you again for your precious word. Father, as I stand behind this sacred desk in your house this morning, Father, we don't need drama. We don't need hype. We don't need sensationalism. We don't need the abuse of Bible prophecy. Lord, I pray that as I preach this message this morning that you would keep me within the bounds of Scripture. Lord, the moment I go beyond those perimeters of the Bible, we're going to get into doctrinal trouble. And we don't need that, Lord. 
We want the plain sense interpretation right. of Bible prophecy as the Bible is its best known interpreter. So as I preach this message, I pray that your Holy Spirit would prick the hearts of every individual here, especially those who are lost, one trumpet sound away from being left behind at the rapture, one heartbeat away from a Christless eternity in hell separated from Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that today would be the day of salvation, that somebody here at East Bay Baptist Church or maybe someone watching via live stream would call upon the name of the Lord and get saved and be ready for either one or two things, either death or the next main event we call the rapture of the church of the living God that could happen at any moment, at any time. It is imminent, Lord. It is imminent. And I pray, dear Father, that somebody would walk out of here this morning a brand new, born-again, blood-washed child of the King. Thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do now. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen, amen and Amen. So, folks, in today's world, it seems to me that people are using less cash and more digital transactions. Is it me or are we seeing this? Technology continues to abound, and it continues to advance at an unprecedented pace. Folks, what I'm telling you this morning is that not just America, but the world is becoming a cashless society. Now, I know this is nothing new, but when I was in Israel last week, I think I was at a bakery or something. We were getting some pastries. Uh, this guy, an Israeli, walks beside me gets his order, and then this is how he paid for it. By a simple cell phone. He paid for his items. And folks, this is exactly what the Bible is talking about, that there will one day be a cashless society. People today are carrying less cash, and using digital currency to purchase their items no matter where they are in the world. Popular digital currency, said you've probably heard of them, one of them is Bitcoin. Bitcoin. The Euro. Bitcoin Cash. Litecoin or Dogecoin. There are all types of cryptocurrencies, very creepy cryptocurrencies, that are out there today. I got this from the... Uh, Positive Money website in Europe. And this website over here says that Europe fears that cash will be eliminated altogether and people's privacy will be at risk with everything they purchase being monitored. Will cash, this, I just took an excerpt of this, will cash disappear in the future? Physical cash is currently the only way to transfer money at low cost and without loss of privacy. Without the ability to use cash, there is no way to opt out from the current banking system. Coins and banknotes are a valuable public utility service. However, it is being threatened by the growing use of contactless cards, mobile apps, and cryptocurrencies. Today's digital technology is everywhere and enables us to make user-friendly payments. As more and more people stop using coins and banknotes, there is a risk that cash will soon disappear. 
with the end of cash, the entire money and payment system would be left in the hands of a few increasingly powerful private financial companies. That's creepy. These companies would gain even more power to monitor what we pay for with whom we exchange. Money is a public good and must remain so. Instead of letting technology benefit big corporations, we must instead use technology to redesign our monetary system so it works in the public interest. Folks, this is from the digital euro positive money web. That's not a Christian website. That's not a prophecy website. That's a secular website. And they fear that cash will be eliminated altogether. Can I tell you something this morning? There's no such thing as privacy anymore. You know what's even more creepy? There's somebody out there, a stranger that knows everything about you. Your personal information. Your finances. Everything. I was just talking to my wife in the privacy of my own home about my bad left knee. And then I get on Facebook and I'm being inundated with commercials for knee doctors. How did they know that I was talking about my bad knee? You have that little Alexa at home? Eavesdropper. Oh, we have one too. They're eavesdroppers, man. You can be talking about, I wonder what type of pet food I want to buy Rover today. And all of a sudden, you get on your cell phone, Google is inundating you with prices for pet food. What am I telling you, man? Big Brother is monitoring each and every one of us. Don't get, I don't get into conspiracy theories. I just don't. But what I do know is that there is somebody out there that knows everything about you, your family, your kids. You can change your phone number today, and guess what? Telemarketers are already bombarding you with your new phone number. Think about that. There's no such thing as privacy anymore. That is a thing of the past. Somehow, somewhere, someone knows everything about you, your personal life. Your privacy, ladies and gentlemen, is gone. How do you think the Antichrist is going to use that in the tribulation period? Where he will command the whole entire world to receive his name in the right hand or in the forehead. You won't be able to buy. You won't be able to sell. You won't be able to work. You won't be able to eat unless you identify with his new world order. Folks, it gets even more creepy because even law enforcement can get your personal information even if you have not committed a crime and store that personal data in its criminal database for future use. How are they doing that? Right here in Rhode Island, they have license plate readers at stoplights and intersections. You don't have to commit a crime. The moment you pull up to that stoplight, there is a device there that's reading your license plate. Getting all of your information and storing that information without your express permission. They don't need your permission. They feed your license plate number into that system without your knowledge. Even today, we have all of this facial recognition video security system. Folks, they're all over the world. 
when I was at JFK Airport, uh, 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 June 20th, I'm standing there waiting for security to look at my passport, like being uh, interviewed by LL Security. We fly LL to Israel. And as I'm standing there, I see this hologram of a woman just staring at me. And I'm like, okay. And she's just, it's a hologram, but it's a woman. And she's just staring there, and there's her eyes like this. And then she just locks right in on you. I'm like, Todd Baker, would you look at this? Everyone's talking about AI, right? AI? Artificial intelligence. Man, that stuff is taking over, putting humans out of a job. She's just there. She's just staring at you, and then she's rolling her eyes around with this creepy smile on her face. Then she reminds you to have all your credentials ready. Have your passport out. Have this out. Have that out. And after she's done talking, she's just standing there again, and she's just staring right at you with that creepy smile. Folks, we are heading in the direction foretold by the Jewish Apostle John 2,000 years ago of how the Antichrist will monitor uh, the whole entire world. Facial recognition, uh, recognition video systems all over the world are now being installed and linked to biometrics and criminal databases. I was standing in line maybe a few years ago at Logan Airport. I had to admit, folks, look at me the wrong way now. I wasn't in the best of moods. I just wasn't, I wasn't in the best of moods. People bumping into you, you know, trying to get in front of you. And, uh, and I, I just wasn't in the best of moods. I did not have a smile on my face. Ten minutes later, two Logan security TSA agents said, can we take you to the back over there, please? I'm like, for what? Well, you had just been selected for uh, extensive uh, personal search. I'm like, okay. So they take me to a private room. They're looking through my bags. I don't know where you're going, this and that. I'm like, let me ask you a question, guys. Why would you just zero in on me? He says, well, we noticed that you weren't in a good mood. <laughs> this is exactly what they told me, folks. We noticed that you weren't in a good mood. Maybe something on your mind. Is anything bothering you? How would they know that I wasn't in a good mood? Facial recognition. Something zeroed in on my face to show, hey, What's this guy up to? He doesn't look like he's a happy individual. Is he a terrorist? Is he a criminal? What's up with him? So they selected me and took me out of the line. I'm glad that they shared that information with me, but folks, this is exactly where we are going. Some believe that the Fourth Amendment will be a thing of the past. With people's personal information, financial information, and privacy being violated for the sake of national security. Oh, by the way, be careful what you look up on Google. Be careful what you look up on Facebook. Why? There are eyes on the other side that are watching everything you do and storing all of your searches in their database for future use, even to use against you if necessary. You don't have to be a career criminal, or a terrorist for that matter, in order to have your personal information as well as your financial information stored in government databases. Whether it's city, state, or federal, they can do whatever they want. 
where is all of this going in terms of Bible prophecy? How will this play out in the end time scenario foretold by the Jewish prophets and the Jewish apostles? What does Bible prophecy have to say about all this? I believe the, uh, the, the revived Roman Empire is alive and well today. The Roman Empire foretold in Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 7, Revelation chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 17 for a future revived Roman Empire. Out of that future revived Roman Empire will arise how many fingers? A final ten nation confederacy. Daniel, the Jewish prophet, talks about ten horns, right? Daniel chapter 7, verses 7, 20, 24. He says ten horns, ten horns, ten horns. 500 years later, after Daniel's dead and gone, John the Apostle on the Isle of Patmos, he's now picking up where Daniel left off. He's talking about ten horns. Revelation 12, 3, Revelation 13, 1, Revelation 17, verses 3, 7, 12, 16. A final ten nation confederacy. And folks, as a student of Bible prophecy, studying Bible prophecy for 35 years, I am convinced that the European Union was foretold by the Jewish prophet Daniel and the apostle John in the book of Revelation for the final end time revived Roman Empire. And those final ten horns will give global authority to the beast coming out of the sea of Revelation 13.1 when it comes on the world stage sometime shortly after the rapture of the church. But look what the EU wants to do. Brussels unveils plan for a digital euro promising complete privacy. Oh, sure, we just ought to believe these guys, right? They'll never lie to you. They want a complete digital euro. The commission proposals would allow people to store up to 3,000 digital euros in secure wallets and use them for both online and offline payments. With more and more people using digital tools, I'm quoting from the story now, with more and more people using digital tools for their daily transactions, the European Commission on Wednesday presented a proposal to initiate a digital euro. Digital currencies have been surging in popularity over the last few years as cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin have entered the mainstream. But unlike Bitcoin, the digital euro would be a central bank digital currency, essentially electronic cash. The aim would be to give consumers an alternative European-wide payment solution in addition to the options that exist today. The commission says, with the digital euro, people will be able to pay in public money. Uniquely, they will be able to pay both online and offline. You wouldn't even need the internet. Having a topped-up digital euro wallet on your phone or other device will be the same as having coins and banknotes in your pocket. You will be able to pay just as easily. You don't even need to have an internet connection. This proposal has already faced a wide range of objections from people over privacy concerns. The final law must be backed by the EU's 27 member states and the European Parliament. The ECB is expected to give them the green light to a digital euro in October so that it can be launched in the year 2027. China became the world's first major economy to launch a digital currency in 2020. Countries including Jamaica, the Eastern Caribbean, the Bahamas have already uh, used such digital currencies in place. The United States is in the process of developing a digital dollar 
But experts say this could take some more years to happen. Could this be leading to the events foretold, ladies and gentlemen, in the book of Revelation? That's why we read Revelation chapter 13, verses 16 through 18. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their forehead that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of man, and his number is 603 score 6, or, ladies and gentlemen, 666. I believe that what we are reading about right now is going to be implemented during that future seven-year period of tribulation, especially at the halfway point of that seven-year period of tribulation to come. Most likely, it's going to be implemented during the last 42 months of the tribulation. The Antichrist will force the implementation of a global monetary electronic system in the form of a mark in the right hand or forehead. The right hand, forehead, they're both very visible places. What does that word mark mean? It comes from the Greek word karagma. It could refer to a mark, stamp, or as late Dr. Ed Heinz would say, maybe even possibly electronic tattoo. Electronic tattoos do exist. They do. Electronic tattoos. And tattoos are so popular today. So if, God forbid, someone's left behind at the rapture, they're going through the tribulation period, I got to eat. I got to work. I got to survive. Put it there, man. Put it right here. I got to eat. But the moment you take that mark, listen to me, the moment you take that mark, you've damned yourself for the rest of eternity. Can I direct you to Revelation 14, just the next chapter? Look at Revelation 14. Verses 9 through 11. God is given an unambiguous, explicit warning here. Look at Revelation chapter 14 and verse number 9. Here's the warning to those in the tribulation period. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Verse 11. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. And they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. You see the warning? God says, you take that mark. Not only have you sworn allegiance to the Antichrist, but you will have damned your souls for the rest of eternity. That is the one we see here in Revelation 14, 9 through 11. Karagma, image, stamp, brand, some sort of mark, electronic tattoo, but whatever it is, it's going to represent his name. 666. And I am convinced that only unbelievers will take the mark of the beast during the tribulation period, no one will be able to buy or sell without having this mark on their right hand or in their forehead. And the beast will demand that all be subordinate to his global political and economical system. There will be no room 
or tolerance for religious freedom under the Antichrist at that time. What is the mark? It is the name of the beast. It is the number of his name, Revelation 13, verse 17. And that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. 666, Revelation chapter 13, verse number 18. 666, it's the number of man, anthropos in the Greek. Mankind, humanity, as I said already, six is the number of imperfection since it represents man in his fallen state. But it also represents a name. You know what name it represents? If you were to say Caesar Nero in Hebrew, you would say Kesa Niron. Kesa Niron. Every Hebrew alphabet has a numerical value to it. If you know the Hebrew alphabet, we know the English alphabet, right? But if you know the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph, Beit, Gimel, Dalet, Hey, Vav, Zion, Hey, Tate, Yod, Kaf, Lamed, Med, Nun, Samak, Ayin, Page, Sadi, Kof, Re, Shin, Tav. 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. All have a numeric value. So if I take Niron, Nun, Resh, Vav, Nun, the Hebrew consonants, Nun has a numerical value of 50, Resh 200, Vav 6, Nun 50. That's 306. Now, uh, Kassar, Kaf, Samic, Resh, Kaf 100, Samic 60, Resh 200, 360. All together, what does it add up to? Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that Caesar Nero is going to be resurrected to become the Antichrist. I don't believe that at all. What I am saying is that this guy who killed Christians, fed them to the lions in the Roman arena, was the forerunner of this guy in the future. To persecute those who get saved during the tribulation. Yes, people will get saved in the tribulation period. How's that going to happen? The church is gone. The church is in heaven. Who's going to be preaching the gospel? God knows what he's doing. Does he not? Look at that revelation chronologically. Chapter 11, God will raise up two witnesses. During the first half of the tribulation period, these guys are going to be preaching and multitudes are going to be getting saved. They're preaching from the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Multitudes are getting saved to the point where the Antichrist says, somebody has to shut these guys up. And you know what he does? Antichrist kills these two witnesses. And instead of the decency of a burial, Revelation 11 tells us, Antichrist will have their bodies lying in the streets of the city of Jerusalem for the whole entire world to see. Back in the day, there was a prophecy scholar in 1901 who said that one day the whole entire world will see the bodies of these two dead witnesses. You know what he was called? C.I. Schofield? He was called a heretic. He was called a... 1901? It's impossible for the whole entire world to see two dead witnesses. You're a heretic, C.I. Oh, by the way, would they be calling him a heretic today? No. <laughs> what do we have up there today in space? All these satellites, so easily the whole world will see two dead witnesses in the streets of the city of Jerusalem. But then three and a half days later, they rise up from the dead. They hear a voice from heaven saying, come up hither. They ascend up into heaven in the clouds, and the whole world is in horror. Even when they are dead on the street, the Bible says the world's rejoicing over these two dead prophets. Sending gifts to one another like what's Christmas time, the Bible says. Until they rise from the dead and they ascend up into heaven. When they're done, Revelation 7, God raises up 144,000. And they are not, and I repeat, they are not the ding-dong hall of the Jehovah's Witnesses. 
You know who they are? They're Jews. How do I know they're Jews? 12,000, exactly. 12,000 each from the 12 tribe. 144,000 come to faith in Jesus Christ. After years of rejection, they come to faith in Jesus Christ. Revelation 7, verses 4 through 8. I heard a number of them which were sealed. And they were sealed 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Of the tribe of Judah was sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Reuben was sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Gad was sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Asher was sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Nephilim was sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Manasseh was sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Simeon was sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Levi was sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Issachar was sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Zebulun was sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Joseph was sealed 12,000, and the tribe of Benjamin was sealed 12,000, 144,000. They're preaching the gospel, and guess what? Multitudes are getting saved, man, to the ire of the Antichrist. When that's done, last half of the tribulation period, Revelation 14, 6, God raises up an angel to circumnavigate planet Earth, to preach the everlasting gospel to them who dwell on the Earth, to every kindred tongue, and nation. Even though the church is gone, the gospel will still be preached during the seven-year period of tribulation. The Hebrew spelling of Caesar, Nero's name, 666, prefigures this guy, whoever he is, the beast out of Revelation 13.1, the Antichrist. And folks, i got to admit, I must admit, I do believe, this guy, whoever he is, is alive and well on planet Earth today. He probably doesn't even know that he was chosen by Satan to be energized to be the Antichrist sometime shortly after the church has been raptured out of here. Just like Antiochus IV Epiphanes, he also prefigured the Antichrist and his evil doings when he persecuted the Jews and defiled the temple in the year 167 B.C. But I'll tell you this, at the end of that seven-year period of tribulation, you know what's going to happen? Jesus Christ is coming back to this earth. Amen. With the church he raptured seven years earlier, us coming back with him, riding on what? White horses. How do I know that? I read Revelation 19, 11 through 16. At the end of the tribulation period, Antichrist and a false prophet are mobilizing all the world's forces, ready to make war against him. John records this in Revelation 19, 11 through 16. I saw heaven open. And behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And then righteousness doth the judge make war. His eyes was a flame of fire. Upon his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. Are you ready for your cue? This is where we come in verse 14. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. The army that was raptured seven years earlier, coming back with him seven years later. Out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that whether he should smite the nations, he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treaded the winepress, and the fiercest and the wrath of Almighty God. And upon his vesture, and upon his thigh was a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I read the end of the book, and I know who wins, amen? The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But I also know who loses. Daniel chapter 7, verse, this is way before John was even on the scene, man. Daniel seven eleven. I beheld then, because of the voice of the great words, what's the horn, the little horn, spake. I beheld even till the beast, that's Revelation 13, 1, was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. You compare Daniel seven eleven with Revelation 19, 19 and 20. 
And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before them in which they had deceived the world, they had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image, these both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. Jesus Christ will destroy the Antichrist and the false prophet and throw them, ladies and gentlemen, into the lake of fire. Then he will establish his 1,000-year millennial kingdom reign from the holy city of Jerusalem. Folks, I'm not blowing smoke here. I told you, I'm convinced the European Union was foretold to be the revival of the Roman Empire. What's odd about their headquarters in Brussels, Belgium? Look at that building. It's not finished. So if it's not finished, what does, it, what does it remind you of? That takes you back to Genesis 11, man. The Tower of Babel. God said, be fruitful and multiply. Nimrod said, no, we're not. We're going to stay right here. We're going to be one people, one language. We don't care what God says. They're building a tower to try to reach out to heaven. God said, I'm putting a stop to this. And he did, didn't he? Here they are on the Nimrod building the Tower of Babel. Hey, you, pick up those bricks and bring them over there. You, take that mortar and blah, 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 blah. Hey, Joe, what did he say? I think he said, blah, 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 blah. God doing? He's confounding their languages. Now this guy can understand the other guy. They were terrified that they ran off to form their prospective nations. We have close to 220 different dialects on planet Earth today. Why? It should remind you of man's rebellion going all the way back to Genesis chapter 11. And look what the European Union did. They constructed a building to look like who? Nimrod's Tower of Babel. Coinky dink That's not a coincidence. That's a God incidence. That's Genesis 11, man. They want to pick up where Nimrod left off 4,000 years ago. I got this from the EU website. Look at this, man. An artist rendition of who? Nimrod's Tower of Babel. Look at the 12 stars representing the European Union. They've been inverted to look like the satanic symbols. And look at this right here. Europe. Many tongues, but we're going to be the only voice for the whole entire world. You see this, guys? Have you read Revelation 17.3? I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and how many horns? Ten horns. This is outside the EU headquarters. What are we looking at here? A woman riding some sort of a beast. That's right out of Revelation chapter 17 and verse number 3. They're fulfilling Bible prophecy, and they don't even know it, man. That's the creepiest thing about it. That's right out of Revelation chapter 17 and verse number 3. Look at this. I got this from the European Union website, the Vo Europe. Remember I said how many fingers did I have? Ten? Remember they talk about ten horns in the Bible, Daniel and Revelation? Look at the European Union website. Ten. Where did they get that number from? Ten countries for what? United States of Europe. Look at this right here. This is from the political, a very liberal website. Look at this right here. Right from the lips of President Emmanuel Macron of France. Impatient with German foot dragon on defense, French President Emmanuel Macron will bring together a ten-nation coalition of the willing. 
a global European Union army, and he called it the Ten Nation Coalition of the Willing. What's up with the number 10, man? I'll tell you what's up with it. Daniel chapter 7, 7, 20, 24, 10 horns, 10 horns, 10 horns. Revelation 12, 3, Revelation 13, 1, Revelation 17, 3, 7, 12, 16, 10 horns, 10 horns, 10 horns, 10 horns, 10 horns, 10, a final 10 nation confederacy that will give global authority to the Antichrist when he comes on the scene. What am I telling you, ladies and gentlemen? The stage is being set. The actors are getting into position. The curtain is about to go up on the end time drama. We are racing. We are racing toward a cashless society in which one day the Antichrist sometime after the rapture will demand the whole entire world to receive his name, his mark in the right hand, in the forehead. You won't be able to buy. You won't be able to sell. You won't be able to do anything without him knowing about it. But listen. Before you can have the second coming, Armageddon, a seven-year period of tribulation, the next main event on God's calendar of activities is the rapture of the church. One day Jesus Christ will shout. What's he going to shout? I'm not sure. Maybe come up here to Revelation 4.1. Just throwing that out there. Archangel will shout. Dead in Christ comes out of the grave. Christians alive at the time of the rapture will rise to meet them in the air. And he will take us to the Father's house. And when he takes us to heaven, help me, when he takes us to heaven, we will be there for... <laughs> Everyone keeps saying, oh, forever. No, only a brief seven years. While the earth below is going through a what? Seven-year period of tribulation. When he comes on that day, is he going to be looking for you? Or will you be left behind? Just like you see on the video earlier. Remember what I said? If you don't get right, you're going to get left. And as I said already, a week after the rapture, churches all over the world are going to be filled with people wondering, what happened? Where did everybody go? What did these Christians disappear to? Why did I get left behind? Why didn't I? I was a good person. I gave my tithes. I was a member of a church. I got baptized. Why didn't I go up? You knew Jesus in the noodle, but he wasn't in the heart. That's right. You had a form of religiosity, not a relationship. That's right. Religion may take you to a building. Jesus Christ will take you to heaven. Amen. John 14, 6. What did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Amen. I believe soon and very soon. That's why Pastor Tony had me go up there and blow the shofar. That's a Hebrew. Everyone say shofar. Shofar, shofar is so good. Your Hebrew is getting better. This is a shofar. Amen. And when that shofar sounds, when that trumpet sounds, it's going to be so loud. All the born again, dead in Christ, all the living in Christ are going to meet the Lord Jesus Christ in the air. He's going to take us to the Father's house, and we will forever be at the side of Jesus Christ. No signs precede the rapture. No prophecies have to be fulfilled. It's imminent. It's hanging over our heads, ready to overtake us. I told you already, I love 
tooting my own horn. The trumpet. I, I bought this baby in Israel, and I think it was in 2010. A Yemenite shofar. We have biblical ram's horn shofars on the table from Israel that are available if you're interested. But in any case, people say, well, how do you know that the shofar is going to be the ram's horn of the Bible? Just read your Bibles. Joshua chapter 6, verses 4, 5, 6, 8, 13. Five times it says the priest, the Kohen Haggadol, blew the trumpet of ram's horns. Shofars, as we have on the table out there. So the trumpet in the Bible is the shofar. And when it sounds, guess what, man? We're taking off. Listen, Brother Chris, I never was an astronaut, but one day I'm going to be a wasn't. You know who else was a was not in scripture? Enoch. Genesis 5.24. And Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. He never experienced physical death. You know who else did not die and went to heaven? Elijah. 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse number 11. And there's coming a generation of born-again Christians, and it could be you, that will not experience physical death in your lifetime. If we believe this event, is so very near. Keep looking up. Amen. Our redemption is drawing nigh, and keep your ear hold on. Come hither, and faster than you can blink that human eye. Bye bye. We're out of here. Shalom, shalom, shalom. Sayonara. I'm running out of languages here. Help me out. Adios. <laughs> Thank you. Adios. See you later, world. Nice knowing you. Not. I cannot wait for that day when the Lord Jesus Christ comes to call you, his bride, not these four walls. You are the bride. To call his church out of the world before that final seven-year period. Is he coming for you, or will you be left behind? Every head bowed, every eye closed for a minute. With every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a minute. Folks, this is very serious. There's a real heaven. There's a real hell. People die every single day. And they're going to either heaven, or they're going to hell. Depending upon what they do with Jesus Christ. God sent his son to die for your sins, to die for my sins. We all deserve judgment. We all deserve the wrath of God. We all deserve to go to hell, each and every one of us. But thank God in his mercy. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his love that he sent his son to die for you. Even if you were the only person on planet earth, God would have sent his son to die for you. He wants you to receive the free gift of eternal life. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to do any type of religious acts for it. Right. You just receive it by faith. Amen. Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right. Saved from what? From your sin. From a Christless eternity in hell separated from Jesus Christ. What will you do with Jesus Christ today? Will he be your savior today or will he be your judge tomorrow? Will he say to you one day, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Or will he say to you one day, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. What will Jesus say to you one day? What will you do with him right now? If you're sitting here and you're saying, August, Pastor Tony, 
I do not have the assurance of going to heaven when I die. Please pray for me. Please pray for me. Is there anyone like that here this morning? Just slip your hand up and put it down. No one's here to embarrass anybody or call anybody out. I don't even need to know your name. Just by slipping your hand up, I just want to acknowledge you and say I'm praying for you. Do I have anyone like that here this morning? August prayed for me. I need to be saved. Do I have anyone like that here at all? Anybody at all? Just slip your hand up and put it down. Believe me, you're at the right place at the right time. August prayed for me. I need to be saved. I want to be ready, either for death or the rapture, but I want to be ready. Anybody at all? And let me ask you this, and then Chrissy's going to play a song of invitation. If you are saved, if you're born again, you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, you know you're ready to go, whether by death or by rapture, you know you're ready to go. If you're saved, would you raise your hand as a testimony? And just keep it up for a second, please. August, I'm saved, and I know it. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'm saved. I'm going. I know where I'm going. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Many, many, many hands are up here today. Thank you so much. You can put those hands down. Praise the Lord. Thank you for that testimony. If you could not raise your hand in the affirmative, and there's doubt going through your head right now, you need to talk with me. You need to talk with Pastor Tony. Please, I implore you, do not walk out of here this morning lost and one heartbeat away from hell. Why would God want to send me to hell? God doesn't send anybody to hell. You make the choice to go there. God already did his part by sending his son. Now you do your part by accepting him as your Lord and personal Savior. He's already done it for you, man. He paid the price for you. He shed his blood for you. He offers you that free gift of eternal life. Don't spit in his face and walk out of here and say, I don't need it. We all need it. Pastor Tony's going to come up. I'm going to pray. I'm going to be down here, man. If you need to pray with me, talk with me, I'm going to be right down here. 